Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. If you are a food enthusiast, well then this is your show. Every week I'm sharing culinary wisdom where informative, entertaining, and delicious conversation abounds, and I'm so glad you're here. My goal is to share with you my irrepressible enthusiasm on everything scrumptious, and if you stay tuned, you might just have a moment of culinary nirvana. We have sizzling good eats and lots of wine to toast with coming up on this show, And my goal is to make you a culinary genius, so please don't touch your dial. Recipes and tips for marvelous meals are shared on this show. Plus, wine knowledge can be gained. Mixology insight can be accomplished. And oh yes, we talk tech, trends, travel, good health, and more. And so I hope that you will always tune in every week and be sure to visit the all new chefjamie.com where you can become a more confident cook. I'm always serving up seconds as well on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. So let's get this party started, shall we? Did I say party? Oh, I meant pickle party, actually. I like to start the show with a tutorial of sorts. And it was many years ago that I had a a pickle epiphany at Momofuku Sambar in New York because David Chang's pickles are life-changing. They are served at many of his restaurants as a starter, and I would take them any day over a bread basket. Fresh and crisp and crunchy, the Momofuku pickles are delicious. They're really extraordinary in that the flavor of each vegetable is distinct. And they use rice wine vinegar as opposed to cider or wine vinegar in general in the preparation like champagne wine or white wine vinegar. And so they produce this really delicate brine that doesn't overwhelm and allows each vegetable to sing. They're light, they're sweet, they're tangy. And from then on, I have been making zucchini pickles and pickled carrots and pickled cauliflower and pickled daikon and more. And they are all truly fantastic. Now, recently, I had some friends over and I served the pickles as a starter snack. And my friend Daryl asked for a tutorial. So, Dare, here is the lesson in pickling you asked for. I hope you're listening. Pickling is a form of preserving, of course, a considered uh, a method of brining. The craft that began 4,000 years ago using cucumbers native to India continues on. And the term pickle is actually derived from the Dutch word pekkle, meaning brine. Now, it's actually quite easy to pickle vegetables. It's a great way to capture the season's best or to make use of a bountiful garden, right? And if you can the pickles using the heat method, you can store the finished product in your cupboard for months. That's called putting it up. But I store mine in the fridge because one, I like to eat them cold, and two, they just don't last very long. Now, if you place a finger anywhere on the globe you will find a local cuisine that features some kind of pickled something, I guarantee. 
But there is one thing that all pickles have in common because pickles from around the world and even from jar to jar taste different. But what they all share is acid. And the word pickle is a verb in the English language. To pickle something is to submerge it in an acidic solution. But we also use pickle as a noun, right? To refer to things that have been pickled. And more importantly, people have been putting their food in acid and acid in their food for thousands of years for preservation, of course. So if you use cucumbers as an example, when we soak cucumbers in a vinegar solution, the water in the cucumber is gradually drawn out through osmosis into the pickling solution and it becomes diluted. And the acid in the pickling solution penetrates the cucumbers and the acidity of the pickling solution is reduced, but the acidity of the cucumbers is elevated and therefore they are safe, by the way, um, from microbial invasion, which means they're preserved, right? And there are lots of ways to pickle. Now you can vinegar pickle or lacto-ferment pickle and more, but vinegar pickles, rather, that's a lot of peas today, vinegar pickles is really as simple as pouring your prepared brine over the tightly packed cucumbers until they're fully submerged. And if you're heat processing the pickles, you wipe the rims, you put on the lids and the bands, and you do them in a canning process, a traditional one in hot water, right? If you're using them for refrigerator pickles like me, you just put the pickles in the fridge. And it is just that easy. Now, there are a few things, some chef's tips that I need you to know before you start your pickling party. There are many, 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 tens of thousands, I'm sure, different mixes and blends for pickling solutions. But for the very basic, you need some type of vinegar, salt, and aromatics like garlic or red pepper flakes. Then you need some spices like peppercorns and fennel seeds and some fresh herb, in my opinion, often dill, by the way, which adds complexity. And I think it's essential. Pickling is a technique, no doubt. And I think it invites experimentation. So please try different vegetables and spices using what you have on hand. And then the vegetables will need varying amounts of time to set up depending upon their size and density. So I do make the Momofuku Sambar Pickle. It's David Chang's. It's sugar, rice wine vinegar, water, kosher salt. He uses um, togarashi, which is Japanese seven spice, and crushed red pepper flake. And then he does carrots, fennel, and Persian cucumbers. You bring the vinegar mixture to a boil until the sugar dissolves. You pour it over the cucumbers and you refrigerate four days if you can wait. Or if you're me, you test every day. We call that research and development, right? (laughs) I have a fabulous recipe for immediate salt and sugar pickles. They take 10 minutes if you need them for your sandwich now. And then my mom and I make a really simple rice wine vinegar pickle, similar to David Chang's, in fact. And I'm happy to share the ratio and the recipe. In fact, any pickle recipe you would like, please email me, Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com, and I will get right back to you. All right, a quick mention of food news this week, because this is important, important stuff. Mother's Day is on the way. Does your mom love olives? Well, if she does, the expert host or olive lover believes that 
the master presentation is really what it's all about. And if you want to up your charcuterie game, you need to see the Corico Olive Boat. Oh, they also have a cherry bowl. It's super cool, right? The company is called Corico, C-O-R-I-C-O. And um, they sent me one. It's been seen in the New York Times, Huffington Post, BuzzFeed, Edible Brooklyn, Women's Health. And I have to tell you, I wondered to myself, how have we never had this before? It is so clever and practical and simple and genius and easy to clean and a party essential. And it's really very brilliant. It is called the Olive Boat because it is a beautiful porcelain plate with almost what looks like a volcano that sits in the center. It's a separate contrapment and you, it's a two piece, right? You took, you take this porcelain ensemble and when you're done eating your olive, you drop the pit into that center volcano opening. And then when it's time to clean up, you just pick it up and dump away. But it hides all of the pits from the olives. No more open bowls of everything everybody spit out. How smart is that? There's a cherry bowl too. I think it's brilliant. Check it out at Corico, C-O-R-I-C-O dot com. Oh, and please don't go anywhere because coming up, we are going to fill your glass with the beautiful wines from ZD. They're very passionate and extraordinarily talented winemaker. Brandon Delers is sitting down to dish on spring wines, their tremendous family heritage, and oh, his Napa cab. And before the end of the hour, butter does make everything better. Shauna Davis, dubbed the butter connoisseur, is sharing a primer and teaching the best way to make really fabulous compound butters. So don't touch your dial. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio with lots more fabulous food right after this. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Cheers and raise a glass, would you? Because the first time I tasted ZD wines, I knew there was something special about them. Founded in 1969, ZD Wines is owned and operated by the Delors family. The winery, located in Rutherford, is the premium Cabernet Sauvignon growing region in the heart of the Napa Valley. It's a family business, ZD, and they have been producing world-class wines for a lot of years now. Talk about legacy. Brandon Delers, ZD's winemaker, has always wanted to make wine. His award-winning wines are a testament to his talent and passion. And since 1999, ZD's Rutherford and Carneros Estates have been certified organic, 
The founder, Norman Delers, believed that great wines are made from healthy vines, and that philosophy has been carried on in the winery's approach to farming. It is the most beautiful, picturesque, gorgeous winery surrounded by beautiful vineyards, and they produce extraordinary wines. And it is my great pleasure to have Brandon Delers, ZD's winemaker, here to dish. Welcome to the radio, Brandon, and thank you. Thank you. That was quite an intro. Yes, and well-deserved. Well-deserved. I think that comes with family legacy, don't you? Um, I think that you have a beautiful path to becoming a winemaker, and we want to know more about you. So tell us about your journey in a nutshell, if you would. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> that was a know. sigh of humility. I heard <laughs> it. I did. Really? Do I have to tell you about myself? Yes, please, boast. All right. I'll... I'll um... I'll try to make it quick. Um, so in terms of my path to winemaking, essentially I was born. Um, my dad and grandpa were winemakers. Right. Um, so the winery had been developed, you know, for many years prior to me being around. Um, so uh, the winery itself, um, ZD was a very convenient summer employment opportunity, you could say, growing up. So I started working at the winery when I was 11 years old. Um, I loved working at the winery. You know, I got to be beside my uh, dad and grandpa in the cellar, and then, you know, our staff was always super cool. I loved being at the winery, so never essentially considered doing anything else. Um, then, you know, went to school for winemaking. I went to uh, Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo for my bachelor's degree, mm. wine and viticulture, spent a couple years down there um, in both vineyard and winery side, you know, and then uh, we had an opening in our cellar. My dad called me up, said, hey, can you come back? I said, yep. Yep. And 17 years later. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. And from a family heritage perspective, you are mostly family, right? I mean, ZD has been in the Delors family since the beginning, and I think it's beautiful that that heritage continues. It was always expected that you would go back um, and maybe understood that you would be a winemaker, but it, it is all in the family. Yeah. <laughs> My uncle gives a talk about our family history. It'll take us, it'll take us probably 45 minutes. Um, but the, you know, the ultra, <clears throat> like kind of the snapshot of our family. So my grandparents started the winery in 1969. Wow. Um, my grandpa being the production guy, my grandma, Rosalie, she was the sales team for the first many, many years. Wow. Um, once we got to the point of getting bigger and moving from Sonoma Carneros to Napa, Rutherford, where we are now, um, that's when my, <clears throat> my grandpa Norman yanked my dad out of college hmm. and promoted him very quickly to winemaker. At that time, he was the youngest uh, winemaker in Napa. Um, wow. Shortly after that, my uncle Brett came on to help my grandma sell the wine. Um, so hmm. my, my uncle Brett's now, the, he's the president of the company, and my dad's the director of winemaking and CEO. Um, and then 
So I guess in terms of family, I'd be next. Right. Um, I've always been production side. And then uh, my sister came back. So she got her degree in nutrition. Yes. I've always been interested in nutrition type stuff, kind of, I think, probably similar to you in terms of culinary. Kitchen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, she did all of our uh, distribution sales for many years wow. <clears throat> until um, she essentially became a mom and took on mom's a full job, full time yes. job. And then she essentially, we stole her husband, Scott Belacci. Um, from a neighboring winery at that time, Jill trained him to essentially take her position. Uh, Scott's been taking care of all of our, my brother-in-law. Um, Whom I know. Been yes. doing our, yep, exactly, your friend. He's been doing my all friend. of our West Coast uh, oh. distribution sales, et cetera, and much more right. for many years. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. And one of my best friends. Yes. And, and I love that it's all in the family, but I love that you all love each other. And, you know, in conversations, everyone else's name comes up. And when I talk to Scott, he talks about you. And then you talk about your little sister. And there's something really beautiful about feeling that love. And I believe that that love is transferred to the bottle. I will tell you, I have never had a ZD wine that I didn't love. Um, And yes, I've been privileged to reserve bottles and library tastings. And I mean, fabulous stuff. But the wine that you produce is gorgeous. Uh, wine after wine after wine. And I want everyone to know about the ZD heritage, but also from a winemaking standpoint, for you to share what it is that you do so brilliantly. So tell us, what grapes are you growing and what makes growing those grapes in Napa special? Yeah, so in terms of the grapes that we grow... um our specialties are kind of the heavy hitters. So we're Chardonnay, Cabernet Sauvignon, Pinot Noir, and more recently Sauvignon Blanc. Um, what makes them special? Yeah, what, what is it about the Napa soil specifically? I mean, those, those are grapes that are um, very much known for being best from Napa. Um, but you also produce red and white. You are the red and white winemaker, which today we right. saw, we see a lot of dichotomy there, right? right. And there, there is something special about the land and, um, and the soil and what's beneath your feet. Well, Jamie, what makes you special? <laughs> My terroir, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Brandon, you are filling our glasses. Please stay with us. I'd love to dish with you more. The extraordinary winemaker at the helm of ZD Wines Napa is with us. Brandon Delures, you and me. More right after this.
We're back. We're sipping and we're savoring. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, filling your glass and saying cheers. Brandon Delers, winemaker for ZD Wines Napa, is here. If you weren't a winemaker, I wonder, what would you be doing? You were destined oh. to be a winemaker, but, you know, if you weren't. <laughs> well, I, I had a lot of fun making beer ah. in college. And uh, my best friend since kindergarten, he owns a small brewery up in up in Humboldt called Humboldt Regeneration. Um, so I'd probably be up there with him making beer. Okay. <laughs> Close yeah. proximity, really. Um, <laughs> and just go back for a moment for me. I want to understand why Sauvignon Blanc came to the party late for you. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So um, I've been pushing for Sauvignon Blanc for a long time just because I enjoy it um, personally. And then I thought um, we're so heavy in Chardonnay. We're really known as a Chardonnay house, half our production is Chardonnay. Yes. Um, that we could use a second white that mm. was really distinctly different from Chard. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what it came down to was, this is just between us, a meeting with my dad and my uncle and my uncle Brett, who, you know, he's the president of the company. He's like, all right, you get the green light. And this is just mm. a couple of years ago. And so then it was go time. Wow. You know, I had all the uh, vineyard sourcing and everything set up. So it was um, basically time to play. That's a passion project if I ever <laughs> heard one, right? I mean, you knew it was going to be good because you had so much to prove. I think that right. most chefs and culinarians will tell you as much as we love Chardonnay and ZD Chardonnay and big, bold, beautiful cab that you produce. There's something special about Sauvignon Blanc because it is extraordinarily food friendly, right? It, sure. it has the best balance, in my opinion, to so many dishes where the wine doesn't overtake the food and the food doesn't overtake the wine. So I could understand why you would want to expand the breadth of your white wine offerings. And I wonder how is the soil treating you? Is that, I've not tasted your Sauvignon Blanc to be perfectly frank. How is that Sauvignon Blanc compared to your expectation? Well, first of all, we need to remedy that problem. Yes, we did. Right. Thank you. Gosh, you're such a (laughs) solver. I love that. Yeah. So, um, we just bottled our, uh, 2022 Sauvignon Blanc yesterday. Wow. Yeah. A lot of wows Um, in this conversation. That's exciting. And (laughs) It's awesome. Um, I bet it is. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, with Sauvignon Blanc, there's tons of different flavors you can get out of it, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, especially from different regions. So, obviously, in Napa, we're pretty blessed with sunlight, Mm. and our style is full ripeness, full fruit with all of our other stuff. And so Sauvignon Blanc is the same way. We're, We're trying to get it beyond the the cat pee and the grassiness and all that stuff. We're, yes. We're basically moving a little bit into the tropical zone mm, um, in terms of it. flavor yeah. and aromas. Mm. Uh, and the variety in general, it's producing way more body than I expected. Like, it's relatively rich. Mm. Um, nice. We're also using concrete, <clears throat> excuse me, concrete fermenters, <clears throat> American oak, and stainless steel. So we're once again, kind of being playful with it. Sure. But, um, yeah, it's, it, 
It's amazing, I bet. Yeah. I can't wait. Cannot wait to taste. Um, talk about your favorite. This is like asking your favorite child, which I know you have two <laughs> girls. I only have one child, so no one can ask me which is my favorite child. Um, but I'm going to ask you about your other children. What are your favorite ZD wines to drink in spring, right? We know that our palate sort of moves over to lighter fare. There's a lot of beautiful fresh produce at the farmer's market, um, more fish and shellfish, maybe things off the grill starting to come into play. And I would love for you to pair for us or even just by your own palate what you're drinking now. Yeah, so all of our whites we don't put through malolactic fermentation, so they maintain their bright natural acidity. So in terms mm-hmm. of like pairing with, you know, fish and spicy foods, they all work. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's coming to mind for me right now what, with what you're talking about, it would be our, um, <clears throat> what we call our Rosalie uh, Pinot Noir mm. Rosé. I just drank that in the desert. Oh, Really? I yes, I did. If if that's the wine oh. I recall Scott handing me a glass of, oh, could well, it have been? <laughs> I'm gonna have to fire my brother-in-law. It's, um, <laughs> it's a, no, don't do that. Please don't <laughs> do that. It's a winery. It's a winery direct only wine. So oh, then have... maybe I wasn't drinking it. There was a <laughs> no. there was a reserve bottle somewhere. Oh no, it was Founders Reserve Pinot. Forgive me. Oh. Forgive me, yep. it had your father, is that your father or your grandfather yep. on the grandpa. That yep. had your grandpa on the bottle, and he handed me a glass, and I was doing a foie gras cream puff. And I said, Scott, what should we drink? And he said, this. And I walked on stage with my glass of ZD, very happily, by the way, and it was the perfect pairing. Yeah, it was beautiful. Leave it to Scott. Leave it to Scott. Okay, he's not in trouble, because I don't think I was drinking Petit Verdot. <laughs> Okay, well, it, that's funny. So that's our Founders Reserve Pinot Noir. So we have mm. a Reserve Pinot kind so of good. dedicated to him because Pinot was his favorite, and he founded yes. the winery on it. And that. Um, so we have two Rosalie wines, so that's the grandma. Um, and they're basically direct-only wines. One's a Petit Verdot and one's a Rosé of Pinot Noir, mm. which is we just um, – just releasing now the 2022 so it's kind of like our early to market wine um yeah i hate i hate to tell you because i already checked the website but that wine is sold out it does that (laughs) it does that oh spoken from a winemaker's lips oh yes it does that sure sure uh we have to wait till 2023 that's my brother. That's your brother, right? Yeah. yeah, no, we have to wait till 2023 on that one. And I, I know that because I checked. Um, you make beautiful wines. There, there is no doubt. And everybody knows it from the Chardonnay to the Cab and to this new Sauvignon Blanc release, which I'm very excited about. Um, what is the next new exciting project at ZD? Can you disclose anything or share with us? I won't tell anybody, I promise. Yeah, so new and exciting. Yes, um, New and exciting does not happen in the wine industry in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but we sort of do have new and exciting, you could say, um, through my sister. Um, so right now um, I'm working with some landscapers. We're doing some uh, beautiful array of, like, raised bed uh, garden planters. Oh, how cool. Um, along the side of the winery right now. How great. Um, 
to grow a bunch of delicious organic food uh, that basically my sister can play with. So she just got promoted to winery chef. Very cool. And we're going to hopefully start taking a little more advantage of our commercial kitchen here and doing, you know, kind of up-leveling our pairings and, you know, do the produce along with it. With our Carneros property, we've been doing um, organic produce for quite a bit, but bringing it up here so it's like right outside the kitchen and they can get more playful. How cool. I will tell you, your winery has to be one of the most beautiful I've ever visited. Uh, The hospitality is overwhelmingly immense and it is for good reason that ZD Wines and ZD Winery are a Napa Valley favorite destination. There is no doubt. Um, Your wines are absolutely beautiful and you can feel the passion and the love of three generations of family winemaking and you can taste the quality and the consistent style and I find them unforgettable. I'll tell you that. Yes, I'm proud to call Scott your brother-in-law my friend, but there has never been a time that I have enjoyed ZD wine that it wasn't memorable and that is a testament to you and your talent and your family legacy. And for that, we thank you. Um, because for, I hope, generations and generations to come, ZD Wines uh, provides us all with just a glorious wine experience. So kudos to you, and thank you again. Those are very, very kind words. Wow. And I can't, I can't uh, parallel you enough in terms of our staff here and, hmm. All of our hospitality people, all of our sales people, all of yes. our production people, we're, just, we're very, very lucky. Yes, very blessed, no doubt. Um, and it is my privilege to be able to highlight ZD on the radio, so thank you for sharing your passion. You can learn more, plan your next trip, experience ZD Wines at zdwines.com, and then you should follow on social, please, at ZD Wines. Brandon Delers is the winemaker for ZD Wines Napa Valley and an extraordinary one. And thank you for filling our glasses, Brandon. What a delight. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Of course. As the delicious conversation continues, there's lots more food and wine in your radio. So grab a snack and come on back. Chef Jamie Gwen, more after this. Life, create and savor yours. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Julia Child once said that with enough butter, anything is good, and I wholeheartedly agree. Butter is on everyone's lips, quite literally, in fact. Uh, Over the last few weeks, a major chain introduced a brown butter toffee latte. There's a buttery lemon pasta recipe that took top billing on the pages of the New York Times. Um, Vodka butter, butter candles, butter boards, all trending, of course. And Shauna Davis is the butter connoisseur. She is a cheesemaker, a food advocate, an educator, a specialty food purveyor, uh, all to the food-loving connoisseur and to Michelin-starred restaurants. And she is sharing a primer on butter varieties, every shopping and storage tip you need to know, and over 60 
recipes for compound butters, sweet butters, butter preserves, cheese butters, cocktail butters, and more in her new book just released entitled Buttermonger. And because of my beautiful love of butter, I am delighted to have her grace this show and share her love as well. It's so nice to have you, Shauna. Welcome. Thank you very much for inviting me on your show. Of course. All right. I know you have a love affair with butter. It's very blatant and beautifully blatant for that matter. But give us a brief history on butter, if you would, because I call this very good dinner party conversation. Absolutely. I mean, butter goes back for multicultures and different periods of time. It goes back to the biblical times. It goes to the European butters. It goes to the American butters. And butter is very much part of our daily table when we're dining. Today, you can get beautiful butters from around the world. Um, I am a French butter lover like you are, but I love domestic butters and, and so on. But really, the breadth of what is available today is extraordinary. Oh, truly. I mean, you can go to a grocery store, to a cheese shop, and yep. to a commodity grocery store and locate multiple quality butters nowadays. And they're not all created equal. No, I mean, some <laughs> have higher butter fat. Some have lower. It depends on, you know, you can get a European butter. You can get a California butter, Mm -hmm. which is European influenced. You can go to Wisconsin and get a Car Valley butter, which they make a cow and a goat and a sheep and a blended milk butter, which I find fascinating. Oh, yeah. Tell us about the blended milk butter. Wait a second. Go back. (laughs) Right. The moment I heard about blended butters, I was like you. I was like, how could this be? And so Sid Cook is a master butter maker, and he makes a cow, a goat, and a sheep, and then he makes a Latois blend butter, which is cow, goat, and sheep blended together. Mm. And it is like nothing I have ever had. Okay, so flavor-wise, you get the richness, the tartness, depending upon the milk, of course. And then texturally, it has to be extraordinary. I mean, it's butter on butter. It's like silky silk. It's like beautiful, soft silk. And Mm. at room temperature... I could eat it like cheese, which I should not, but I can. Yes, of course. Let's talk about temperature and styles. I guess we should start at the beginning because salted versus unsalted is the first question. Sure. So whenever I'm cooking, I start with unsalted because you can always add salt in, but you cannot take it out. Me too. And I want to determine the salt quantity in my food, so therefore I choose unsalted. I've always chosen unsalted too because I believe it's fresher. Is that accurate in your opinion? I believe it is accurate. I I agree with you on that. And I have always tended to go with unsalted butter, whether it's for my butter at home or in my commercial kitchen or my retail. Okay. So where does salted butter find its place in your life? Salted butter finds its place in my my life with humor (laughs) when when I cannot locate unsalted butter and then I purchase salted butter. Okay. And, And, And then I'm very cautious about how much salt I may add into the recipe that I'm creating. Yes. And... If I'm buying butter for the table, for like bread service, quote unquote, as we call it, um, I will Mm -hmm. once in a while buy an artisan butter that is salted because it's a specialty butter. Maybe it's a flavored butter. Although speaking of flavored butters, thank you for my gift. What a beautiful present that was. Yeah. So you are known in the Sonoma Valley for making compound butters that are absolutely full of flavor. And um, if I don't lick the bottom of the, is that black pepper cherry? Yes, it's a black pepper cherry, which we designed to go with Pinot Noirs and red wines, like a Cap Franc or a Cabernet. Super, super smart. And there is lots of 
there, there is so much really insightful information in Buttermonger. Kudos to you. It is loaded with butter history and legend and lore and anecdotes and insightful knowledge from a true butter connoisseur. She is Shauna Davis, the award-winning cheesemaker, chef, and culinary educator based in Sonoma, California. You are going to want to visit Epicurean Connection or Epicurean Sonoma um, for a butter class next time you are up north uh, in this lovely state of California. You can uh, learn more at epicureanconnection.com. You can find Shauna's new butter-laden book on Amazon or at buttermonger.com. And if you want to follow her culinary escapades, please go to the handle Epicurean Sonoma. I'm just going to sit down with my black pepper cherry butter, (laughs) Shauna, very quietly and be very happy. Thank you very much. It was a privilege to have you on the radio. We thank you. It was my pleasure, and thank you for taking the time to host me, and thank you for enjoying Buttermonger. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation and inspiration. At least I hope you thought so. I hope that you'll tune in every week and allow me to satiate your appetite, please your palate, and spice up your life. But before you go, let me leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic inspiration for the weekend. What could be better than rich, creamy chocolate fudge with the addition of toasted hazelnuts for that craveable crunch made with chocolate hazelnut spread? That's right. My son is addicted to Nutella. And so with sweetened condensed milk, Nutella, melted chocolate, and toasted hazelnuts, you get what is some of the best dark chocolate hazelnut fudge ever. And I'm sharing the recipe on social, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. It is just five ingredients, super simple and spectacular. Don't miss it. I'll see you on social at Chef Jamie Gwen. I'm serving up seconds at chefjamie.com and I'll meet you here at the kitchen table next weekend when I guarantee there's lots more to stimulate your appetite in your radio. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off and I hope you continue to eat well. (laughs) 